Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Five Diggy Tribe Core Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is show that you come up on, yeah. This is spot that you come up strong, yeah. What's going on? Welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Martin Bauman, and we're going international on this episode. One of my favorite producers in hip-hop comes from France. He's collaborated with everyone from Blue to Quali to J-Live, and his album, Changes of Atmosphere, is one I hold dear. It's been a while since we've heard new material from the man, so I had to ask him, what's going on? My guest today is the one and only De La. We talk about everything from growing up near the hip-hop hotbed of Paris to collaborating with MCs around the world to moving back and forth to Canada. Take a listen. Let's go back to the very beginning for you. How did you fall in love with not only hip-hop but music? The moment I, I knew I wanted to make music was when my big brother uh, took me to a Gens and Roses show. After that, I wanted to play guitar. And uh, so I asked him, I knew he, play, he played a little bit of guitar, so I asked him, asked him if he could uh, teach me. And uh, he bought me a, a guitar for my birthday, and, uh, and that's how I started making music. And after that, I was listening to a lot of uh, alternative rock, stuff like uh, that from, from uh, Seattle, like uh, Nirvana, The Pixies, Grunge, you know, all the, the kind of stuff that was... Uh, hot at the time and uh, I, I started listening to to hip hop uh, maybe a couple of years later. At that time I understand it was Wu-Tang Enter the 36 Chambers that, that came into your uh, I guess existence or into your knowledge of, of hip hop at the time. What significance does that album have to you? Yeah, it's, it's the first album it's the first rap album that I started listening to and um, it was kind of random because it was at the time where I was only listening to to, to rock, and um, somebody in my uh, in my class in uh, junior high he just landed me the CD for no reason, and um, it's it's um, I think it was a great introduction to rap because it had the same type of energy as rock a little bit. You know, it's uh, it has that. Uh, that dirty sound that yeah, I liked in, in rock music. And um, I don't know, there, there's an energy that uh, I think is, is close to, to rock. So to me, it's, uh, it's the first rap album that I really liked. And uh, it's how I fall in love with, with rap. So I still love it today. And um, when I started making beats, like Reza was my, my big influence. Like uh, I guess it was my first uh, favorite producer. One other album that I understand was a big influence and, and continues to be is Midnight Marauders. Tell me about that album. Yeah. So um, when I got into uh, into rap, uh, there was uh, somebody else in my, my, my class who knew I was into music, even though I wasn't into rap yet, but uh, he knew I was making music a little bit. So he wanted to make a rap group. So he asked me if he could come at my house and just if he could make some music. So he, we, he 
did, and we started uh, just trying to make rap, but we didn't know how to do that. So that's how I started getting into production, even though I didn't know what it was at the time, but uh, I had a little uh, four-track uh, recorder, mm. cassette recorder, and I had a little set of drums and a guitar and just some random stuff. So we tried to, to make music by, uh, like the first, First time I tried to make a beat, I had to put some uh, some tape on a, on a vinyl uh, um, record to make it scratch, <laughs> so it would loop. And I played some drums over on the top. I would just try some some stuff like that, and also like uh, um, like what we used to call like um, pause cassette beats. Like you 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 play a sample, and you record it on the cassette, and you hit pause, and you just rewind the the vinyl player, the vinyl uh, record, and you play it again and record again, and so you have many loops. So I started making beats with uh, with uh, that friend, and after a while, it was like, um, I don't know, like, could you could you make some beats like a Chop Request? And I wasn't I wasn't really listening to Chop Request at the time. I was still listening to Wu Tang, and I was listening to a lot of French rap, and just. Uh, Stuff, but I wasn't really up on, on Chop Request yet. So he gave me a, a, a cassette that he had, and on, on that cassette was uh, Minute Marauders, and uh, it was a mix with uh, Minute Marauders and uh, Beat Rams and Life. And um, so I kept listening to that cassette, and uh, and that's that's how uh, I fell in love with Tribe, and that influenced my sound a lot because I was trying to make something that would be close to that so that my friend would like like the beat that I would make, you know? Do you still have that cassette tape? I don't think so, <laughs> no. Uh, so as you're falling in love with hip-hop and you're getting to know the music, uh, what can you tell me about one particular radio station, uh, Generations or Generation 88.2? Yes, yes. Well, um, Generation was... Uh, the big uh, hip hop radio uh, station in Paris. Uh, back then, it was like only—I I don't remember the hours, but it didn't play all 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 day. Uh, it was—it uh, was. I think it would stop at like uh, midnight, and like it would start at uh, late afternoon, like maybe six, and in the morning too. And uh, it would share the air with the jazz station. But, uh, yeah, Generation was great because he played a lot of, uh, lot of stuff like uh, rap from the U.S., rap from France. And back then, you could put a cassette and just, you know, you would be waiting for the good, something you like to, to play, and then you would just record. And after a few days, you would have a cassette full of, uh, of songs. And that's where I was... Uh, um, discovering a lot of music back then, just just listening to Generation. So, so obviously it was a great influence as well. I, I still have some of the the, the, the Generation tapes uh, mm. from that time. I think somewhere. So at, at that time you were living outside of Paris. Is that correct? Yep, uh, like um, thirty minutes to one hour outside of Paris. Can you situate for me what that place? you were living was and, and what that was like and also trips that you would take into the city? It's like um, like the, the, 
the French suburbs, a lot of time it's, uh, it's a lot of small houses and you have projects and small houses. And uh, I lived in a in small house, like um, it was a middle class neighborhood. So it was, it was pretty calm and chill. It wasn't a rough part. But when you're in the suburbs, a lot of it is very mixed. So you have the, you can have the project just next to a calm neighborhood. And uh, so we will have to go to Paris. Like uh, we will have to take the, we had to take the train, and uh, it was like uh, one hour by by train and bus and stuff like that. So I will have to do that a lot of uh, very often, you know, because that that if you want to go out or go get some records, go buy some records and buy some clothes, stuff like that, you would go to Paris. So when we were like West, we started going to. Uh, high school, I think, like every, maybe every Wednesday or every weekend we'll go to Paris and uh, just buy records and stuff like that. So I was um, was very familiar with the, the, the train ride. Hmm. Was that SNCF or TJV or something else? Uh, SNCF, yeah. Yeah. How would you describe uh, Paris at that time uh, musically as you were falling in love with music? What was the, the music scene like in the city? You know, at that time, we were pretty, I was disconnected from the music scene. Well, I wasn't in it, you know. We were still um, junior high schoolers going to, to school and stuff like that. And we weren't going to concerts and all of that. And we weren't, we weren't in the scene at that time. We were just doing our, our thing on our side and uh, not really knowing what was up. The, the only link with what was happening in Paris was uh, the radio. The rap scene was very... Everybody wasn't doing the same thing. You had a, a lot of different styles, and every group or every MC had his own style. So you will have a little bit of everything. You had a lot of uh, variety. Um, I don't know if you can say that well, if it works, but that's what was great at the time. That I feel... You don't have that much anymore. But yeah, every, every, every group had his own flavor, his own style. But yeah, the radio was our only real connection with what was happening. What was the first hip-hop show that you went to? The first that I can remember, I think it was uh, Common. Common? Yeah, Common. It was just after it released uh, Like Water for Chocolate. Mm-hmm. Maybe in 2000. And that was in Paris or where exactly? Yeah, that was in Paris. In a venue, venue that, that that's called uh, Zimoma, and uh, yeah, that, that I think they pretty sure it was my first rap show. So, at what point in your development as a musician do you go from being, you know, somebody who's just making music on the sidelines, you know, with your friends, to becoming more integrated into what's going on musically in the music scene, and uh, and and I guess making a name for yourself. Mm. It was it was thanks to the internet, I think, because um, you know, with my friend, we were uh, we were just making like little demos and stuff like that, but it wasn't really going anywhere. And after a while, I started producing for a lot of MCs from my uh, my city. Uh, there was just like word got around that I was making beats. So then it was the beginning of the end for me because like every like every day off from school like you will have like uh, like 
were warm to uh, 20 MCs like uh, ringing at the door. And I was in the, um, I was, we had a little setup in my basement back then. And uh, you could just go to the basement door without having to go up. So, you, so they would like knock at the, on the door like directly. And uh, it was like, uh, like pretty much all, all the time. Like, and when I said 20 MCs, like I remember one day, like maybe it wasn't all MCs, but like 20 people showed up one afternoon uh, in my basement. So, um, so it, I was I was producing with uh, more and more MCs, but yeah, just doing demos and stuff like that. But then the, the internet came and uh, it allowed me to start um, putting some of my some some of my work online, and that's when I had first contacts with uh, labels and and MCs who were releasing stuff, and you know, so that, that that's that's pretty much thanks to the internet that I was able to start releasing some stuff. You know, the internet is really interesting. I think for artists of a certain generation, before social media became prominent, that there was a lot of uh, artists, you know, going back and forth on message boards and things like that and, and connecting in that way. What forum online was it for you that you were making connections? It was the, uh, the endergroundhiphop.com uh, forums. Uh, so that, that was before Facebook and MySpace and pretty much it. You didn't have a lot of sites where, where what, what things were happening, you know, where you could connect. And uh, but the the, the underground.com uh, forums were great because they had you had a lot of uh, topics about uh, just production and, and gear and uh, uh, what type of sampler, different type of samplers and uh, and records and stuff like that. So it was a lot great source of information for me because. That, that stuff you, you didn't have access to where it was, you know. We didn't know anything about uh, the, the FP12 and RSO10 and stuff like that. So the internet was great for getting access to that. And uh, yeah, a lot of talented producers were, not, were on that board, uh, like uh, M-Faces, Mind, uh, Slaps and Dust. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of people, but there were a lot of great talents on this board and we will just uh, make um, uh, like, I think they call it beat meets, stuff like that, like they will give us a sample and we have, we have to flip it like every week or something like that. So it was a, well, it was a good, uh, good, good connection. I think I, I met uh, Superstition back at the time. So, so yeah, I made, I made some contacts thanks to underbunnypop.com. What would you describe as the moment where you go from being somebody who's a, a fan more than a participant, uh, you know, somebody who's still making beats, but somebody who I guess feels more like you're doing it as a fan to more feeling as though you're you're on the same level as the people whose music you're listening to? I, I never really thought about that because it was, it was, I guess, progressive and I still see myself as a friend, as a, as a fan. I never, really, I never really thought about it, you know. But uh, I think I like to be um, challenged by uh, 
by other musicians. So I think you need, well, personally, I, I need to be a fan. I'm, I'm still a, a fan of of, uh, of a musician, and then, uh, I think that's what drives me to try to to be better and try to step my game up. You know, I think that's very important. And I I don't really make um, I never really made that like talk to myself. Okay, I'm not a fan anymore. No, I'm, a, I'm an actor. I'm a participant in that game. I I, I don't see things that way. In that sense, then, when when you get on tracks and you you end up producing songs for people like Blue and J Live and Talib Kweli, uh, Knowledge, uh, what what is that like uh, for you? It happened um, like uh, the whole process was pretty long. It took like maybe three years for the album to be made and for connections to happen. So I was pretty focused, and uh, even when we had like great news like uh, okay like Quali is okay and he's gonna he's gonna make the track and okay Quali just sent the track so I was really happy for for day or two but then I got back to okay let's focus and I have to get it right and I have to mix the album right and so it, it's a, it's a, obviously a, a great feeling it was a great feeling but uh, I, I never um, I don't see it as a as a success in itself. It's gonna be a success if, if, if the track is, is, is good, you know. But then it could be it could be anybody on the track. Yeah, it's it's not that important. It's it, it, it's a great feeling, but in the end, it doesn't count that much. What matters is is the track good or not. Mm-hmm. One of the things that interests me about a producer is how you can shape and influence the way a track develops as far as the direction of a song the mood it is how the the feeling is how much of the direction of a song is yours and how much is the MC deciding where to take your production and, and go with it I try to make it uh, my decision as much as possible but at the same time I don't like to uh, impose stuff on the MC. Like, I, I wouldn't say to an MC, okay, uh, can you make a song about this or that? I wouldn't say that. But I might try to push it, push him in, in, in a direction. Like, uh, maybe put a vocal sample somewhere, like a scratch or uh, another rap song, like, uh, that would push it in a, in, a, in a certain topic, you know. The only thing I remember saying, I think I would say that to, to MCs when we made the changes, changes of atmosphere and atmosphere line. Like I would say to them that I wasn't really looking for uh, for for just freestyle rap. Or I was worried that um, some MCs were going to write stuff that would be like uh, stuff about rap itself or stuff about making like uh, music. Uh, from like you know like rap tracks rap, rap tracks that are about like a uh, connection from Paris to New York stuff like that just because I'm in France they're gonna write uh, they're gonna write a song that speaks about uh, cat in France doing music with me you know I I I, I wanted to avoid that uh, at any cost so I might have said to to them that. I didn't want freestyle rap, freestyle rap and stuff like that. Cause uh, I really want, I really wanted like topics, and I wanted the album to speak about life. 
but um, so I try to put them somewhere, but it's never, never said like, never def- it's never um, definitive. I try to do it in a, in a subtle way, you know? Mm-hmm. It's never precise, it's never precise, it's more like uh, in broad terms, like I might have a broad idea of what I want, but I don't, I'm not, uh, I never, I don't usually have a very uh, precise idea of what the, the MC should um, rap about. Was that different for you between changes of atmosphere and translation lost as far as how much leeway you wanted to give artists or? Um, I think it was about the same. Yeah. I think um, Rich, um, uh, Rich is an MC who, who I've, I've made a few, few, few songs with and he did a song on the translation lost called uh, Go On, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I think he did two versions and asked him if he could make another one, because um, that for that song has something precise in mind, because uh, I already had the, the, the hook with the sample, sample lyrics, and uh, I thought it was the hook would, would push him in a, in a certain direction, but he, he, he didn't hear it the same way I, I did. Like to him, it, uh, it inspired him differently. So he just made a, a song that wasn't what I was expecting. So I asked him if he could like do another, another spirit, and he generally accepted. Uh, but that that's the only thing, song that I remember that uh, uh, I, t- I tried to be more pre- precise with uh, with the topic I wanted. Um, but I think for the few other songs, I didn't have something precise in mind. Even though, you know, when I think about it now, I kind of regret this because I feel like, uh, like Translation Love, the old album was about uh, a breakup, about uh, uh, a relationship and a breakup. And uh, the tracks from the MCs were, didn't have anything to do with it, with that. And, Thinking about it now, I kind of regret that I didn't push the MCs to to follow that direction to like write something about breakups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had it where you send off a song to an MC and you have something in mind uh, of what you think they might come back with, and they come back with something totally different and and even better than what you thought it would be? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe one time uh, with uh, Elzai. We did one song together, and uh, and uh, the, the 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 beat I sent was was called uh, "Schools Out," something like that. And I had uh, because in the sample you had ch- uh, children singing and stuff like that. And uh, I didn't speak to her like directly, but uh, my friend uh, Finidi was uh, helping me make the album, and he was helping me for uh, atmosphere. Lines and uh, change of atmosphere was doing a lot of uh, like basically helping me with uh, the labels and help, helping me with um, uh, reaching out to the MCs. He, he was the founder. He is the founder of uh, Drinkwater Music, and so we made the album together in terms of uh, um, 
business in terms of uh, reaching out to people and speaking to managers and stuff like that. So he was talking to 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 Elva and I, I think I was I think I asked him if he could like push us in that direction, like uh, maybe you write something about school or I don't know. And as I was like, yeah, I'll do I'll do that. He said he was inspired to to write something like this, and in the end. It was a totally different story, but I think it was for the better. Uh, speaking of that, that album, the Changes of Atmosphere album, it's interesting to me because a lot of times I feel like we hear about artists who go to Paris to be inspired to make music, whereas that album was about wanting to escape the same city. Uh, why is that? That's just where my mind stays was at the time. I just, I just wanted to, to go somewhere else and uh, that that. That's how I felt, you know. It's funny because now that uh, I don't live in Paris anymore, when I come back, I'm, I'm really inspired by Paris. Um, I think that back, back then, you know, Paris is a city where uh, I've always been, since we were like one hour away, uh, I would go often, you know, uh, even before I would go with my friends to buy records and stuff like that, like I was telling you. Like when I was a kid, we would go with tour or I would go with my mother. She would take me to museums and stuff like that. So, you know, Paris was uh, was familiar. It was uh, a city that I grew up going to and that I knew uh, that it wasn't like the architecture and the, 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 the feeling of being in that city. Uh, it was something I, I grew up with. So didn't surprise me. It never, it never surprised me. It never, um, I never, I never saw. I, I wouldn't understand when people say that Paris is this beautiful city and stuff like that because that, to me, it was just, just Paris, you know. But um, when I moved to, I moved to to Montreal in 2009, and when I came back to Paris, uh, like in a uh, year after. Uh, that that's the first time I really started to appreciate the city. I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's not that ugly. It's, it's, like some of it, it's pretty beautiful. And um, then I moved back to Canada uh, a few years later, and uh, I came back recently, just for the time. And um, uh, you know, I, I think it it has it's, it's a city that has a lot of energy, and it's definitely inspiring, but it's a very, um, it's an intense energy, and it, it, it's kind of stressful too. And uh, back then, like the, the, the stressful part of the city, I just, I just wanted to, to, to go away. Now that I'm not living in it anymore, I could see myself just going to Paris for uh, a month or two and just creating and being inspired by a city. That that's something I was actually like thinking about like making an album about Paris. Tell me about your experience in Montreal, having lived there for a little bit. What was it like? Well, um, first time I got there was in 2009. Uh, it was pretty, pretty good experience, like just seeing a different part of the world. And, uh, and it was uh, great just connecting with, with people. And uh, I, I really liked the city. Kind of never clicked with the people there, though. You know, I could never make real friends there. Uh, I have a few friends there, but they 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 are mostly French. I could 
I've met a lot of K-breakers, but for some reason it never really clicked. And um, it's a city uh, I really like. Uh, I still have a lot of issues with the, the winter. It's uh, <laughs> very... And uh, I'm, um, I was there, I, I went back there for a year in 2013, 2014, sorry. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a love and hate uh, thing for me with, uh, with Montreal as well. Uh, I couldn't see myself living there anymore, I think. Because there, there, there's uh, a few things that, that drive me, uh, that drive me crazy there, but uh, but it's it's a city that I really appreciate still, and uh, I hope to come back sometime. What are you up to these days? Uh, are you musically involved? Are you are you creatively inspired, or or what? It, uh, what is keeping you busy? Yeah, I'm still I'm still creating. I'm still uh, still making music. Uh, I've never stopped actually. It's just that uh, life got a bit hectic, and uh, since I moved and moved back, and I didn't have uh, my own studio anymore. I still don't. I don't have my own studio anymore. When when uh, when I made this first album, I had my little setup. No, I don't anymore. So things take more time. But uh, I'm working on a lot of lot of music. It's just, uh, it's very different from what I was making at the time. It's a mix of all my influences. So there, there's a little bit of rock in it. There's a little bit of rap. There's uh, um, a lot of more. There's, uh, I don't know, there's my some classical music, some electronic music. I'm just, I'm just doing what I feel like doing without, thinking about it too much. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just doing what I'm in mind, you know? Like, I have, like, um, two albums that are like that, that are just a mix of different things. And I have a rap album that started, like, in 2009, I think. That's still not finished. Uh, I'm still working on it uh, with an MC called uh, Kimit. He was featured on, uh, on Translation Lost. And we've just, been taking forever to finish this album for many reasons, but we're we're not giving up, <laughs> not yet. Uh, we thought about giving up a few times already, but what we have, I think, is is pretty good, and uh, um, it's it's pretty it's almost finished. Actually, we 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 just have to get together and record it for good, and and just get it done. But uh, yeah, so that's. That's three like albums that have that are almost finished, but not quite yet. And uh, so yeah, I've, I've been creating a lot. It just it just takes time for me to 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 get it right. Thanks so much for this opportunity for the interview. Is there anything else you'd like to add still? Uh, no, th- thank you, thank you. I hope uh, my accent wasn't too bad, and uh, <laughs> that I got myself. Uh, Understood. Thank you very much. Uh, merci beaucoup. Et bonne journée. Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about Daylog, go to thecomeupshow.com. If you enjoyed the show, help us out. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, too, at The Come Up Show. 
That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Once again, I'm Martin Baum, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 